Quick shout out from our sponsor, Sheer ID. Are you trying to boost conversions to your Shopify store? Need to drive more customer loyalty? Get results fast by offering exclusive discounts to consumer communities with Sheer ID. Sheer ID helps verify students, teachers, military, first responders, and so much more of these groups. With Sheer ID, you'll get a verified match in seconds. And you can spit out an exclusive discount for customers on the spot. Try speaking directly to a new customer segment with this verifiable identity without adding friction to the shopping experience. Continue to drive incremental revenue in the next 90 days post-purchase with more tailored messaging for your email and SMS campaigns. I personally tested ShareID to see just how easy it was to get it set up, and I was pretty much ready to go in under 15 minutes. The onboarding was simple enough for me to follow as a non-technical person. Go to sheerid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Once again, that's sheerid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Hello and welcome to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host, Matt Lady. Each and every week I get to talk with and learn from enthusiastic guests, freelancers, agency folks, in-house marketers, and founders, all in an effort to help you bootstrap your D2C brand profitably. We got two episodes a week, which will have you staying up to date on the ever-changing industry and learning fundamental concepts and tactics to apply to your brand. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to e-commerce uncovered. I'm your host, Matt Lady. Each week I try to find people that are way smarter than me and about everything in e-commerce and learn from them. And as I continue to learn and grow in e-commerce, I hope you are along for the journey as well. This week we have Rishi. He's going to talk to us all about uh, probably the most un- one of the most underrated pages on your store, uh, your product page. It's often overlooked, afterthought. It's the last piece of the puzzle before you press publish on your store, make it go live. You spend all this time on the home page, the about page, and the story, and social media ads, and email, but then the product page is just an afterthought. Today, we're going to talk to you about why that shouldn't be an afterthought. Rishi, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Matt. Thank you for having me. This is uh, a super, super exciting uh, opportunity. We, I hope to share as much as I can and deliver as much value as I can. Yes, uh, I'm stoked. We finally get to record this. Had one, one or two reschedules because of life and I, I'm ready. So why, like, where do... Where do people get product page wrong? I alluded to it. It's an afterthought usually, but tell me the number one reason why it should not be an afterthought for your story. Okay. Now, this is a really interesting question. I think, first of all, we need to be clear about what we even mean by a product page, because I think a lot of times business owners think about their product page as being the layout and the design of the product page. Um, and you know, I'm not talking about the design or the layout. I'm actually talking about the product description, which is like a small element of the page. And I would argue that it is the most important element in your own entire website, because how else is the consumer choosing between products if it isn't based on the description? So the first thing I'd say is that, you know, the reason why uh, we need to be clear about the definition of the product page, which is the which is the description. The other logistical problem that happens, and the reason why the product page is not focused on as much, is that unlike the home page, which is this singular entity, the product page 
is actually part of a family of pages. So if you have 15 products on your website, if you're selling, uh, you know, and you have different different uh, types of SKUs, you have 15 different product pages, whereas you always have one homepage. And so I think a lot of times what entrepreneurs do and what uh, teams do is they say, let's try and improve this product page at the template level so that we can make a change and it can reflect on all the template, all the other pages. And I think that all of those reasons, for those reasons, there's, there's, there's not much work that gets that that's done on the product page. Um, and also, I think there's a mindset about the product page. There's such an emphasis on the product page around um, getting the buyer to click on the add to cart button. Like the whole focus is let's actually in a way, you know, what I'm talking about is the exact opposite of what business owners want because they actually don't want the user to linger on their product page because they want them on their checkout flow. Um, and so there's a lot of emphasis on add to cart and I have very specific, uh, recipe and, and strategies for how to think about product pages. And, um, that's what I hope to explore with you, um, today. Um, and I can talk about, you know, why product pages matter and how to think about them cover everything. Yes. We're going to get into all of that and more and already off the bat, perfect clarification, even for myself. You're talking about the words, the copy. You're not talking about the layout, the design right now. You're talking about the physical words describing the product. And that 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 online store, that's the catalog. That's walking up to the aisle and grabbing something and touching it and checking out the box. That like this is the experience we're, we're right. having online. So just really good uh, way to clarify, frame and set it all up. I'm a store founder and I have, I'm about to launch my store. Where do I even begin? Like, what, what are you telling someone off the bat? What's the basics of product pages and the copy on those pages? And why are you telling people uh, not to rush to add to cart? And what, tell me a little bit more about that. And let's yeah, that's, that's, that's great. That's great. So, so in order to actually think about how the product page should be, um, the, the copy should be on the product page, we actually have to first step back and ask ourselves, how does the search process, how does the customer journey start? And if you really think about your life, and this is the great thing about marketing is that, you know, we are all consumers. And so we all relate to being marketed to. So even though I'm a professional marketer and Matt is, you know, has a background in marketing as well, we're also consumers. Now, when I think about consumers and I think about my own behavior, I think about my wife's behavior, my parents' behavior, it's pretty universal. And the thing is, we are either trying to do a search for a problem, which is like how to minimize my hair loss, or we are doing a search for a specific solution, which is like, for example, I'm looking for a curling iron. That's how people search. That's the only way that search begins. And so when they go to Google, they search for that term. Curling iron is a term that I would look for if I'm looking for a way to make my hair more curly. Um, if I'm trying to prevent my hair, uh, my, my receding hairline, which I am struggling with, I would search for how to prevent hair loss. And if you think about Google, it's really important to kind of really understand how all of these, all of these brokers play a role. Google is in the business 
of creating a competitive marketplace where if you are looking for a curling iron, Google wants as many as possible companies that have a curling iron to be aware of this so they can compete for you, which will naturally increase the bid price for their ads, which is where Google makes their money. So even so, if there are, even though you might be the best curling iron in the world, Google doesn't care. Google cannot run a business where there's only one result. So Google has created a system where 20 curling irons are going to show up. Now, if you actually think about the layout and, you know, all, all the listeners need to really kind of go to their computers and actually do a search, what you'll find is that when you search for something, the first thing that appears below the search box, and I'm talking in terms of desktop right now, just because that's, that's typically, you know, um, that's the layout we want to talk about is that um, the Google product listing ad, which is those little thumbnails with the product images that, you know, they appear right below the search box. Now, why is this? Well, think about it this way. Think about it from a consumer's perspective. If I'm searching for a curling iron, we know that 50% of our brain is devoted to image processing. So when I see, a, you know, a four or five, you know, little tiles with different curling irons, it gives me a lot more information than a traditional AdWords ad. Um, and so Google knows this, and that's the reason why Google shows these right on top. The consumer, so if you think about the consumer experience, I search for curling iron, and by the way, curling iron is, uh, is, a, is a placeholder for any product in the world. Um, I then see a bunch of um, tiles below that search result that show me different you know, styles, different looks. I guess there are different types of curling irons. I then visually decide which of these is the most relevant to me. I then right click. This is really important to understand. I then right click and I open in a new tab, right? Um, and I've done this now for at least like three or four different curling irons because as a consumer, I'm in a promiscuous mood right now. I don't want to, I don't want to be in a one-to-one -one relationship with the, with the with the retail brand. So I've gone from a search looking for a solution or a you know finding a solution to a problem or a solution specifically to a product page that's so you know when you when you by definition you the google product listing ads have to correlate to a product page now you can kind of apply lots of program pro programmatic solutions in the back end to take them to a home page or a category page that's not the default behavior and google doesn't want that google wants people to go to for it to be a one-to-one -one parity between the image that's being shown and what they see on the next page and that if that's a very specific curling iron Google expects you to show that same curling iron. So taking people to the homepage is totally meaningless for Google. So you're taking them directly to the product page. So here's what's happened. The user has come to your product page. Now, as a business owner, if I were to ask you, can you please describe your website? You will invariably say, I have this beautiful homepage. I then have this category page where all of my curling irons are listed. I have this wonderful search functionality. And then I also have a product page. And then I have this checkout flow and all of this. Well, the thing is that for this buyer that we're talking to right now, your entire website is just one page, which is that product page. This user is not going, is not navigating to your homepage to understand, you know, what the layout of the land is. They're coming to your product page. They're in a split second. I would argue it's probably less than five seconds. They're deciding if you are the right curling iron that they even that even deserves their attention this is the really key point is that we're so focused on closing the sale what we don't realize is that consumer has fired us before even properly 
understanding what our curling iron is cap capable of doing. It could be the best curling iron in the, in the world, yet 85% of people that came to our product page rejected us before they actually even learned that fact. And so our what I'm competing on is not the sale. I'm actually competing on not being fired. My goal is to hold on to this buyer for another four seconds because it is mathematically impossible for the buyer to buy in the first five seconds. So if they leave in the first five seconds, I'm screwed. It's game over for me. Now, remember this, we talked about this 10 seconds ago. We also have the problem of multiple tabs. So the user is already in this promiscuous mode. They already know that, listen, I don't need this curling iron to be a good fit for me because I got these three other tabs open. They're going to be, they're going to, they're going to solve my problem. So the user already has one foot out of the door when they come to our product page. This is a really bad, this, if you think it's, if you think about all configurations of a setup, this is the worst scenario to be in. And so this is the reason why I think the product page is the battleground where we, where we are winning the hearts and the minds of our buyers. So I'll stop talking for a second, Matt, but that's my reason for why the product page matters so much. I have not heard such a good articulation of what's actually happening actually user behavior in quite some time when searching and tabs and promiscuous uh curling irons uh just hilarious stuff but is so incredibly accurate so thank you for painting that beautiful picture and i i love i just really enjoy it uh as someone who has been deep in e-commerce the last few years you're coming at it from 13 years of experience and i can't wait to exp explore more well, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna proceed. I'm gonna proceed yep. with part two of the of the story of the okay. of the adventure. So here's the other thing, you know, and, and here's Matt, one of the conscious choices that I made when I as I was preparing for our conversation today was I only want to talk about stuff that nobody else is doing, because that is where our your listeners are gonna get this massive advantage. We're not I know your your mission. And, and your mission is to give them massive advantages. We're not talking about like, you know, how do we improve things by four or 5%? What are, what your listeners want and what you are, what you are on a mission to create, provide for them are things that can improve their metrics by 50 or 60%, like massive swings. And so I'm only going to share stuff that I'm a hundred percent confident that no retailer has access to. And, and so let's move on to the next part of this. I have in the last 13 years, and part of my job, and this is one of the things that I do that I don't talk about publicly as well as much, is that I spend at least 20% of my time, so 20% of my waking time reading product pages. I am just going to random websites all day long. And at some level, this seems like pure insanity, but I, <laughs> in, order to, in order to optimize conversion rates, I actually need to understand what the, what the marketplace is doing. So I spent a lot of time studying product pages. And one of the one of the most amazing things that I find, and I've never seen a product page that actually didn't do this, which is why I'm sharing it with you guys, is that when you go to the product page, so again, we talked about the customer journey, the customer just ran a search, they came to the product page, and they have no friggin' idea who your brand is, and they don't even care. So they are literally looking at you as a commodity. Now, they come to the product page, and I, if you, and, and, and just to challenge me, I would, I would request the listeners to actually 
go to any do any search on google go to any product page and you will find the exact same movie play out which is that when the description starts the description always starts always starts from what this product actually does which is the absolute wrong thing to do because if i am looking for a curling iron and i come to a skew where it says curling iron four four, four by one uh, that's the name of their i guess their product page skew and i read the description and we say that this four by one curling iron is really good for blah 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 you've already lost me because you've you you've you're you're having a conversation as though we know each other we have literally just met now so what do we how do we solve for this i have a very specific prescription for this the opening of your sales pitch by the way your product stop calling it your product description it is your sales pitch if you think about it as a sales pitch you will treat it like a sales pitch it is your sales pitch it is it is the make or break of your entire business um so instead of getting going into a rambling conversation about what your product does let's understand where the consumer psychology is right now where the consumer is right now is that i have four other tabs open so the first thing i want to do as a marketer is i want him to fire those other tabs because it's either them it's kind of like hunger games dude it's like either they fire me or they're going to fire and i want i need him to fire those other tabs so how do i do it i do it by applying very specific copywriting treatment you start the copy by saying curling irons aren't created equal period always start your sales pitch by saying that now what's happened over here first of all i'm saying this not because it's a cool idea i'm saying it because i have empirical data i have tested this hundreds of times so why are we doing this because like i said the user has these other tabs open so what i want to do is i want to plant a seed of doubt in the mind of the buyer by saying curling irons aren't created equal so this what this does is it tells them that don't just be looking for curling irons because they're not all the same that is enough of a delay for the user to now say hmm let me just understand what these guys are talking about i was going to fire them in, in the first sentence but now i'm like screwed because i'm like what you know what, what do they know that i don't know and now you've primed them you've conditioned them to want to read your next line and your third line and that's all we're trying to do it's like a battleground where we're trying to win one sentence at a time right and i want him to like just read the next sentence and then and of course at some point you your product has to be good enough for them to actually stick around but to me that is the the principal purpose of the opening of your sales pitch is to eliminate the consideration set i want to basically have the user not leave leave me and look at the other tabs because the longer i can keep them on my website and not looking at the other tabs statistically speaking the the higher the likelihood that i'm the final winner standing in at the end of the you know the competition which is what it, it is so anyway i'll stop right now and ask you if this makes sense live to fight another day you're trying to win each little battle each line of coffee, each page, uh, each add to cart, each button click is a little battle. The war is purchase and lifelong customers, but each battle still has to be fought. And you're saying, from what I'm understanding, is one of the best ways to start opening battle <laughs> is to separate yourself from the other tabs and get them fired and get them to stay on your page because they can't even worry about buying your product if they don't even know who you are and why your product is different. 
A quick reminder from our sponsor, ShareID. Find your next lifetime customers by providing verified discount codes based on occupation or life stage. Speak directly to veterans, students, teachers, first responders, and continue to tailor your messaging to them in the future with post-purchase emails and text messages. Make them feel seen with your brand by using ShareID to seamlessly verify their email in seconds during the purchase process. Go to shareid.com slash Shopify and start your free trial today. Oh, am I, am I good so far? You, you, are, you are exactly right. Amazing. So we got the first line. Like, yep. we're, curling irons are not all made equal. What, what is after that? Talk me through the next few battles That's, we go into. Okay, so I will tell you about the two hurdles that, that we need to cross with the buyer. The first hurdle, so that, and I, I hope the listeners are, are able to make note of this, and I'll repeat it twice. Certainly, I want to make sure everyone gets it. When the consumer comes to the website, there are two very specific hurdles that we're trying to help them cross. The first one is why we exist. That's the first hurdle. And the second one is why this product must exist. Now, pay attention to my word choice. The first one, I've intentionally called it why we exist. I, because before you can sell the consumer on the physical attributes of what your product does, you need to sell them on why they even deserve your attention. So the why we exist story is where you are telling the buyer, it's not as much about your product, but as much, it's more about the ethos, the culture that caused you to actually create this product. It's, it's almost like, it's like a catch-up story. It's like this, it's your, it's the story thus far. It's your origin story. If you're a superhero, this is where we talk about how you got your superpowers. And one of the biggest mistakes that brands do is they, you talked about the about this page, what they do is they, put all of the, the why we exist story, because a lot, I know some of the listeners are going to say, Rishi, you don't have to tell us about this why we exist story. We already nailed that. We've got it on our about us page. Well, the thing is, again, if you go back to what we discussed, the product page is the only page in your entire website. It's not like the user is coming to your product page and then doing a search for your about us page or going to your homepage or looking at a return policy. They're literally deciding in that page itself if they're going to give you another three seconds or not. So the idea of taking them away from the product page to another page that is a standalone page that talks about your about us story or your why we exist story to me is a bad idea. Why not have that story embedded in the product page itself? So that's the first hurdle. The second hurdle is why this product must exist. Again, pay close attention to word choices. Why this product must exist, must exist. We are, we are framing it as an existential question. We're basically saying that the world is a better place because my curling iron exists. Like that is the consumer. Here's the wonderful thing is I love this, this thing that Seth Gordon talked about 15 years ago. He said that consumers are looking to buy the best product in the world for their price point. <laughs> and I think this is a big mistake that marketers make is that we say, well, we're selling a premium product or we're selling a, you know, a, a low price product. Dude, if when I go to the grocery store and I'm buying toothpaste, even though my budget might be $2 and 15 cents, I want to make sure it's still the best damn toothpaste in the world that sells for $2 and 15 cents. I always, which consumer is saying that I don't really, I don't really need the best. No, you want the best for that price point. So you, so if you're curling iron, we're, we're, we're talking about curling iron here again, I hope it, people understand as a placeholder, but if you're curling iron, 
costs 17 dollars you need to prove to the reader that it is the best damn curling iron in the world for 17 dollars and that is expressed in the why this product must exist story and i'm emphasizing the word must exist because i think this is where marketers sometimes get lazy and they say you know well this is what the product does well that's not really exciting it it, it has to come off it, the reader has to feel as though the reader is lucky that they stumbled on your website today like it really has to evoke that emotion that's how you get people to take action you make it so it feels like that they are the lucky ones that they visited your store they came across your page you are lucky to have them of course as a store owner but uh to make them feel special you want them to have that sense of urgency or missing out or novelty you need some sort of difference uh and i loved how you pointed out just because your budget is much smaller like i know chipotle is not the best burrito in the world but it's one of the pretty damn good ones for nine dollars every single time and that's, that's right. why that's why i go back and many others are fans of it because it's consistent you know what you're getting into and you know the ingredients and you know the brand and it's always a reminder and this and that all that happens after the fact though so you you have the two main differences between why the brand exists and why the product must exist what are the next few lines of copy or the next few steps that we take to win those next battles after we've uh acknowledged those two problems yeah so you know you know you know you, you know matt here's here is where here is where we're going to have to we're at a fork in the road right now because okay. um i've spent the last 13 years working on this problem and it is actually a very complicated uh, rule book that we've created we actually have a nine point buyer psychology copywriting process which we possibly cannot cover in this podcast um and i don't think i don't even think it's something that that a, a lot of your listeners have for the first have never even heard the, of this emphasis on product pages so we've already kind of like shocked them um i feel the scope of this conversation needs to be limited to what are some of the other actionable things that they can do um whatever their definition of why we exist and why this product must exist is it's okay for now um, I think when they get to a stage where they're like, you know, we have this maturity, we've taken our, I mean, you know, based on what this discussion was, we've been able to improve our conversion rates by like, you know, 80%. I think at that point, if they reach out to you, you can connect them with me and I'll talk to them about our framework. But for now, I want to like keep things really simple. So we talked about why we exist and why this product must exist. Now, here is where we start running into some logistical problems. Um, which is the first problem is that Rishi, you're talking about expressing these two really complicated ideas or wordy ideas, but my product description right now is two paragraphs long. So what do I do here? And I think this is a conversation I've had 10,000 times. And so they, it's it, one path that retailers feel they can go down is they can increase the length of their description to 20 paragraphs and and they they don't like that um and then the other path is to say well let's explain the why we exist story in one sentence well that's not acceptable either so how do we reconcile this and i want to help our listeners reconcile this so here's how you reconcile this like i said your first opening needs to be focused on closing the other gaps 
So that's job number one. Now, whether you decide to go with the copy that we talked about, or you want to come up with your own copy, it's totally your call. Then the next thing is you're going to talk about the why we exist story, because it has to come before why this product must exist. So the way to solve for this is you need at least like three sentences. It has to have enough meat in it where the user knows what, what, you're, what, you're, what you're talking about. Now, here's the wonderful thing about breaking users into different buckets. You can break users into many buckets, but there are only two buckets that matter. And so for this conversation, I want you to look at your entire user base as two types of buyers. We call them skimmers and we call them diggers. There are just two types of people. Skimmers are people that just want, like when, when, my, when my parents are buying a new cell phone, they don't really need to hear about Apple's M1 or whatever the damn processor is in the silicon. They just want to know that it's not a crappy cell phone. They just want to know this cell phone has enough social proof. It's going to last me for another four years. Great. I'm sold. Diggers, on the other hand, are those people that go to the Ace Hardware store and spend five hours just looking up, you know, technical details because that's what they like. That's where they get their joy from is digging. And one of the mistakes that marketers make is they pick between these two groups. They say, well, let's do a survey to understand what the makeup of our customer is. And if we have 70% diggers and 30% skimmers, well, two bad skimmers, diggers one. So let's just create content for diggers. If it's the other way around, then we've then let's just focus on, on the bigger group. Now, the thing is that conversion optimization, we are fighting for 2%, 3%, 4% improvements. I can't afford saying 30% of my audience, I'm not going to care about. This is too expensive a risk for me. So how do we reconcile this? So the way we do it is we write copy in a way where we are giving a path for both types of buyers. So we always default to writing copy for a skimmer. So the way we would do this is after that opening sentence, I would give three sentences, that's the length that a skimmer likes, I would give three sentences to really beautifully talk about why we exist. And I do it in, I need to create a cliffhanger. So what's happening is that you write those three sentences and then you add a button that says learn more or the whole story or whatever it is. What happens is a skimmer who just wants the top level stuff is going to read that and say, you know what? You've satisfied that itch. I had that itch. There was a slot in my mind and you've satisfied it. So I'm going to move on to the why we, why this product exists. The, the digger is going to be like, you only wet my appetite. I want more baby. So what she's going to do is she's going to click on the whole story button. The moment they do that, you show them a full lights, full, full screen light box. The beauty of this is that you're not screwing around with the layout of your product page. You're not adding more content to your product page. But if the user raises their hand up and says, I want 10 more paragraphs worth of content, are you not going to give it to them because you are trying to follow brevity? Who cares? If the consumer wants more content, I will give them more content. So the beauty of this approach is you click on that button, you, you show a full screen pop-up, and now you, you are free to roam about. You can give them 20 paragraphs worth of content. It doesn't matter because this person has already raised their hand up and said, this is what I care. They're not going to look at the pop-up and say, well, this is pretty wordy. Well, they wouldn't have clicked on the damn whole story button if they weren't the type of person who really dug those gory details. That's what he wants or she wants. So, so that's how you kind of solve the, for this dilemma of like, okay, I'm this guy that is talking to me right now is telling me to increase my description. It's going to screw up my layout because my layout only allows for two paragraphs. Well, if it allows for two paragraphs, create these, these paths, alternate paths for diggers. Um, so I hope 
I hope that made sense. That makes sense. And uh, I like how it's in context of, hey, I, I have a Shopify site and I had someone make it or I, I learned how to do it myself and managed around and I, I can't afford someone to go make my product page pretty. I can't afford bug fixes and stuff. I have a launch coming up, whatever the use case. Rishi's not saying go redesign everything. This is all within very doable. You can listen and do this right now in your Shopify backend uh, yourself. And so I really appreciate the simplicity and the clearness so far. And so let's keep it going. What's So we have the, the diggers and the skimmers. We have that first, uh, you said three sentences. And is to clarify, to make it, again, super clear, even for me, is that three lines? Is that three full sentences? Is it, tell me like a bit more about that just so I don't. Well, I mean, I don't think, I mean, let's, let's now, let's be clear. Uh, <laughs> we're not, we're, this isn't, um, this is still very much an art form where the person who's listening to this interview is going to have to draw their own conclusions. We break these rules all the time. There isn't any fixed rule, but I do want to give, I wanted to give context because sometimes people might say, well, Rishi didn't give me any guidelines. So we give me a guideline by saying okay. three sentences. But if it's four sentences, that's fine. If it's seven sentences, that's fine. You know your brand, you know your audience better. Personalize it for what feels right to you. Okay. Um, and so another guideline maybe, I guess, is what I'm looking for is if I know most of my traffic is on mobile mm -hmm. and I have a standard, whatever that means right now, product page in terms of layout, should I be worrying about above the fold and before the scrolling thing? Or like, where should my little few lines you just talked about go actually? Well, that's, you know, so that, 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 then that opens us to a more, a more complicated conversation, which I'll just touch at, touch on okay. very briefly. Um, so we call this technique attention sculpting. So what we know about shoppers is that they are like, and I got this term from my, from my conversion hero, Brian Eisenberg. Um, but what we know about online shoppers is they are like beagles on steroids. They <laughs> literally have zero attention span. So the above the fold aspect is an important detail. I think if you if you have all of the content below the uh, below the fold, that is a problem. So the way you solve for that is you have a really really strong snippet of copy above the hold above the fold that is designed to get them below the fold. And the way you do that, there's a very specific technique for that. Is you say that what we are about to reveal to you is going to blow your mind or whatever is on brand for you please continue reading. One of the things that we know about readers and psychology is that consumers respond to clear instructions. We actually need clear instructions. So when you say something very clearly, the user will go below the fold. I think, I think this is a big misnomer is that we say, nothing can be below the fold. No, no, no. What, excuse me, what needs to happen is that you need to give me as a consumer a damn good reason to go below the fold. Mm. Do that. That's your damn job. Why else are you a marketer? But don't come up with this thing of like, well, I can't go below the fold. No, you can. You need. You just have to give me a good reason to do it. So to answer your question, that's kind of how I would solve for this. But again, I would say beyond that, I don't think we need to worry too much because remember, we are, our whole thinking about optimization is for people who 
we're actually looking at a very sm specific set of people. So what's happening is this. There is a small fraction, maybe it's 3%, maybe you're lucky, maybe it's 7% for you, of people that are actually buying from you. Right next to that is another cohort of people, maybe 20% of people that are interested in your product, that have a need, that are, that are okay with your price point, but haven't heard the magic words to actually buy from you. So we've got the 7% that are buying. We've got another 20% that are, that are kind of like kind of on the fence, but more towards not buying because they're not buying. Mm -hmm. um, and then we've got this remaining, you know, 67%, 63%, whatever it is. Dude, that is like dark matter in the universe. Do not even think about those people. It is, you are so far away. Uh, you need to focus again. We talked about this before the interview. I need the lesson that I want people to take from this talk is not, not all the strategies, but I think the lesson should be relentless focus, relentlessly focus on the, on, you know, if it is like a hand-to-hand -hand combat, all I can, all I can actually gain is that 20%, the 7% is already in the bank. So forget them, right? The fight is really over the remaining 20%. Beyond that, I'm never going to get to and it's not worth my energy to expend energy thinking about fight for the 20 percent. that 20 percent is who we are talking this entire conversation is about that 20 percent. so the point i want to make here is that you know the idea isn't like you know how do i get a hundred percent of people who are my page below the fold who cares i just want to get a certain meaningful percentage of the 20 percent that are not buying below the fold. And the way to do that is to have a compelling call to action that or compelling reason, right, for them to actually want to go below the fold. So that's what I would say. Um, any questions about what I've said so far? Because I because I want to make sure I've addressed all your questions. Yes, no, that is a good point. And to focus us back in and realize that we're not going to actually cover everything, every little element on the this page. Uh, we're only talking about copy and it's only less than an hour conversation. There's no way you could have distilled 13 years of info into one hour uh, without me paying you a lot of, lot of money. And so since this is a free conversation, we're, we're going with the, this casual format and to cover the basics on this first episode. I'll, so, I'll share two, I, I want to share two more things that please. I think are, and I think we'll, we'll wrap it up with those two things. Yeah. I think these are the two most important things. Perfect. The first one is anticipating and addressing negative thoughts. The number one reason why consumers don't buy is because they have some unanswered questions floating in their mind. Now, the reason I'm using the word negative thought is because if unanswered questions by definition, metamorphize, metamorph they transform into negative thoughts. What I mean by this is that imagine if you're setting a curling iron and I am a customer that is looking for a very specific feature, which you don't mention, or I couldn't find. Again, we talked about the fact that people don't see things. Um, just because it's there in the product page does not mean I noticed it. If I, in my mind, this is the other thing is that the consumer actually has a subconscious checklist going on. They don't even know it. This is the reason why I don't like customer interviews, because when you ask the customer, why didn't you buy my curling iron? They have no friggin' idea why they're buying a curling iron. They're <laughs> gonna make up some shit to make you make you happy because you're pestering them. That is why I think it's very dangerous to rely on customer interviews. That what we do know is that there is 100% a checklist in their mind. Now they don't know themselves what the checklist is, so it's my job to figure out what the checklist is. And one of the checklist item is the attributes that I care about. I want to make sure that those attributes have been reflected on the product page. 
And if I don't see that attribute, it immediately goes into the negative column. Now, the way the consumer, and this is the most wonderful thing about how the brain works, is if the brain is not looking at it in terms of a binary number, it's not like the brain says, oh, I had a negative thought, therefore I'm not gonna buy it. Turns out that there is, it's like a weighted average. So the brain is doing some complex calculation, which no human being understands, <laughs> where all those negative thoughts are being tabulated in the back end and uh, some analysis is being made on do the negative thoughts significantly outweigh or do they are they below my threshold? There's, apparently, there's a threshold that you have to cross. Now, we don't know what that threshold is, but we, need to, we, know, we know we need to cross some threshold. Uh, so the point here, Matt, is that my job is to anticipate all those negative thoughts. And that is on me as a marketer. So here's what I would tell your, tell the listeners. Sit down with a piece of paper. A lot of the best marketing happens with a piece of paper and a pencil. Do not have to be on your computer all the time. Take a printout of your product page and just read the damn product page from top to bottom and note down every negative thought that came in your mind. Then work backwards and say, I need to address all of these negative thoughts that is going to magically improve your conversion rate. So like I said, the negative thoughts happen around the features, negative thoughts. One of the big hotspots for negative thoughts is your price point. So a very simple trick that I have is that right next, let's say you're selling a curling iron for $17. It doesn't matter. This is another mistake that retailers make is they say, well, look, our competitors are selling for way more than $17. We're the, like the cheapest price vendor. So therefore clearly price is not a concern because we're already, no, that's not true. $17 is still more than $0, right? So anything more than $0 is a problem. So what you do is you want to create an insurance policy. So you, it's yes, I agree that maybe it's only 10% of people that are, that are potentially buying from you that are, that are sensitive to price, but that's the 10% I care about because the people who are buying, again, they are, I don't care about the people who are buying because they're already damn well buying. So to the right of the price point, I always like to have a, a call to action, a little button that says, it can say anything, you can be creative with it. But what we like to use is a, a, a language that says, price explanation is one option another one is cy um and you can you can you can use whatever copy you want doesn't matter but the location is really important because what happens is i can tell you what happens when the consumer comes to your website the first thing they do is they look at a price point that's all they care about is a price point and 90 percent of times they fire you just based on your price point so what you do is you want where the negative thought hotspot is, is where you need to resolve it. So right next to the price, you need to have this little button, call it whatever is on brand for you. And when you click on it, you give a sure pop-up again. Again, a lot of my solution is based on pop-up because I don't want to screw up with your template, right? So I want to keep your template the same. And in that pop-up, you give your explanation for why $17 is a damn good investment. Whatever your story is, that's, 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 that's for you to figure out. So that's my first advice is focus on all these negative thoughts. Negative thoughts form around features, missing features. There's a lot of negative thoughts around shipping. Uh, there's a lot of negative thoughts around prices. Um, also, if you don't offer a discount, if you're not running a promo, there could be some negative thoughts around that as well, because consumers have been so conditioned for promos. So what we like to do is we actually right next to the price, we actually put a, we actually, we love writing copy that perfectly matches up with the thought that the consumer is happening, having. So the copy literally says, why isn't this on sale? Question mark. That perfectly matches up with the question the user had. When you click on it, well, here's an opening for me to say that, listen, we care so much about quality that we decided not to play games of gimmicks and therefore it's not on sale. So 
you can address there are many ways of skinning the cat right all you're trying to do is identify every potential negative thought that could form and then you're creating a counter narrative for that negative thought and then you put that in the page and you'll notice conversion rates go up magically that's my first advice my second my final piece of advice for your wonderful listeners is this if you are now we deal with retailers that are doing you know their best seller has to do at least 300,000 annual sales for me to even work with them not because i have a bias but because the kind of statistical testing we do requires a lot of transaction volume so i want to share some insights that apply to a retailer that is just starting off or maybe has you know 100 sales a month not enough for ab testing so what do we do I have a very simple offline solution for you, which is that create a calendar reminder for every two weeks to rewrite your product description. So you have a reminder where you identify your best sellers. You don't have to do it for every product. If you have 20 products, I understand it's not practical to write description for everyone. Identify the three or four products that drive a bulk of your sales and put a reminder every two weeks that allocates one hour for you to just rewrite the description forget about a b testing forget about statistical significance just rewrite the damn description and what you will find is that by just rewriting it over and over again with every layer you're noticing some there's some poetry that's coming out that didn't exist in the first version in my 13 years of copywriting the thing the one thing that i've learned is that the 10th the 10th version of a rewrite is a hundred times better than the first version so all you have to do is just create the discipline of just rewriting your description over and over again and you don't have to run it as a test you you will you will just get better conversion rates and that's where i'm going to end my presentation rewrite your product description every two weeks it's like you can't just run a marathon and complete it on your first run out you are not just going to get a better conversion rate magically after your first time you have to put in the reps, you have to figure out, you have to be focused and learn and be aware of what you're changing. And so it's just, it just was really interesting to get a really, really, really deep dive on product page copy today from Rishi and really grateful for your time, man. And it was really helpful for me. I learned a lot personally, so I think everyone else will too. Uh, where do you want to point people to if they want to ask a follow-up question, read more about your story, about your team, all that good stuff? So I'm very active on LinkedIn. Um, so I think if any of the listeners are on LinkedIn, if they search for my name, uh, it's my first name, R-I-S-H-I, -I, my last name, R-A-W-A-T. On LinkedIn, I go by the moniker, the Shopify product page guy. Um, so when you see that, you know, you found the right person. Um, another place to, I, I really think this is very valuable is that because I spend 20% of my time studying product pages and descriptions by non-clients of mine, I'm every week collecting a treasure trove of incredible insights that superbly smart marketers across the world. See, I'm a lazy guy. I don't want to reinvent the wheel. So I want to see what other marketers are doing and I can steal the best ideas. And so I spend a lot of my time uh, focusing and studying what other retailers are doing. Small retailers, this is an important thing. I don't go to the Dyson website. I don't, there's no innovation coming out of Dyson. Uh, the innovation is coming out of these really scrappy small websites that are that actually aren't even aware of how they are disrupting marketing. They just they just didn't know any better, and they're just trying some really crazy, amazing stuff. And I'm keeping up. I'm keeping track of all of those things. So those ideas I share in my weekly buyer psychology newsletter. 
And there is only one way to sign up for it. Uh, my, my website is specifically designed not to draw attention to the newsletter because I only want my newsletter to be subscribed by people that I've specifically asked to join my newsletter. And the way to get to it is to go to the website, which is frictionless-commerce.com forward slash J-O-I-N, join. It's the only way to get there. So frictionless-commerce.com forward slash join. And there's a very simple sign up form with your name and your email address. And then every Monday morning at 530 Eastern, I will share actionable ideas that will help you make more money. Incredible. Amazing. Just thank you so much. Perfectly summed it up, Rishi. Appreciate your time. All the links will be in the show notes. And I'm sure I'll talk to you again real soon and we'll share some more stuff next time. Awesome. Thanks so much. And everyone else, thanks for listening and catch you on the next episode. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. I love being able to do this, continue to learn and meet people in this industry. Every rating, review, and episode you share with a friend means so much to me as I'm bootstrapping this show as part of my media brand, High Key Geek. If you haven't checked out my other show, Brand Builders, you should. It's with myself and Tom Brown and Richie Mashiko. Two times a week, we talk in a much more casual setting, and we think out loud, we brainstorm, and we share our lessons as we continue to operate and run businesses in the D2C space today. We're not, we didn't exit, we didn't just consult and advise now, and we don't, we're in the trenches as we, like every day still. So we're learning in real time and sharing it with you as we go. That's Brand Builders on High Key Geek YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you find your podcasts. Catch you next time.